0: Here's where we are. It is March, the first week of March, and every year I do a series like this, and it is called Back to Basics. I was reminded of an old four hymn song. Some of y'all don't know what the four hymn is. That's an old group from back in the day. They used to sing a song called We Need to Get Back to the Basics of Life. A heart that is pure and a love that is fine. A faith that is fervently grounded in Christ with hope that endures for all times. Truth be told, over time, we have misconstrued, misinterpreted, mistranslated Scripture to a place that was conveniently placed into our back pockets so that we could actually live in sin rather than live in righteousness. We have found ourselves taking Scriptures from here and Scriptures from here, sandwiching them together to make and appease our flesh rather than change our flesh, crucify our flesh so that we might live in the fullness of who He is in our lives. And so over the next, I don't know how many times, last last year I did this series and there was six of them. Who knows? Every week I'm asking God to give me a brand new scripture to break down for you so that we might grow and become everything God's called us to be. I hope that you're ready to become everything God's called you to be, not become the short place of what you think God's called you to be. So this morning I want to break into this series with the book of Psalm chapter 100. Verse 4 and 5. Simple scripture that you've all probably heard at some point of your life, but I want us to declare it in this moment as a family and believe it and walk in it and see the fullness of it come to pass in our lives. It says this, and it's funny because where we ended in worship now ties into this and no one knew what I was preaching on. It says, enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever and his faithfulness continues to each generation. Can I read it just one more time so you can get it in your spirit? Because this is more than just context in a scripture. This is a declaration, a shout from a rooftop. This is a moment for you to step up and become bold in the things of God. It says, and you can't read this thing quietly. You can't be like, enter his gates for thanksgiving and into his courts of praise. There's a boldness in the declaration of this moment. And I'm going to say this to you. Can I just, can I just give you just a, 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 an encouraging statement or just tell you, give you some advice on when you read the word out loud? Yeah. Read the word with a little bit of boldness, not like some sissified kitten. <laughs> because the word has power. When I read a scripture like this, it says this to me. It says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and go into his courts with praise." Give thanks to him and praise his name, for the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever, and his faithfulness continues to each generation. Y'all ready to break this thing down? Good. Let's start in the very beginning, in the chapter four, in, in chapter one hundred, verse four. It says, "Enter his gates." Ah, this one right here we could preach on for the next forty-five minutes, because here's the problem. A lot of us like to visit, but we don't like to reside. When Jesus said, when the word says enter his gates, he is not talking about coming in and going out and coming in and going out. He says come in. He says enter. The word enter is defined as this, to come or go into. To come or go into. Now, this is a problem in the church today, and I know I don't preach popular all the time, but this is a problem in the church today. We think it's God's responsibility to come to us. Hey, God, I'm here outside. Come open it up for me. He says, uh-uh. He says, you, come here. But God, can't you meet me here? I already did. I sent Jesus. Was that not enough? I told you to come unto me all you that are weak and heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Don't sit there and complain about where you are if you won't get up off your blessed assurance and go see him. I'm just going to sit here and complain. I'm going to sit outside of the walls. I'm going to sit outside of the gates. and I'm going to sit outside of the temple. I know the Spirit of God is in there, but I'm going to sit here and whine and complain about my condition. Shut up stop it because you are missing one of the greatest moments in god where you finally get up see here's the thing you getting up finally says that you're not broken blind bartimaeus sat out the side of the gate waiting heard the sound of Jesus' sandals coming boy you know had to be that guy had to be an in-tune believer to hear the sandals of jesus and know it was him But he had sat there for years waiting, waiting, waiting. And when he got there, he didn't sit there and be quiet. He jumped up. The man outside the gate, uh, uh, outside the temple, uh, was lame, was was sick for, for, for years. They had gone and put him outside. His legs were broken. Peter and James said, "Silver and gold have I not, but what I do have, in the name of Jesus, behold!" And he gets up and runs into the church. What I'm saying to you is that sometimes we got to get outside of ourselves and get up and go. Stop complaining about where you are. Let me help with something real quick. The only reason you complain about where you are is because you won't get up and go to Him. You're stuck. Oh, my existence, or my stuff, or my, my family, or my this, or my job, and blah blah blah. You're stuck because if my wife's like my wife says, if you complain. You're going to stay right where you are. You're going to remain in a thing. He says, enter to come or go into. You have to get up and go. Stop standing in the storms of your life, soaking wet and complaining when God has invited you in. He said what? He said, enter his gates. Why does he say enter his gates? Why did he just come enter my rest or enter my joy or enter my peace? Because that's the problem. We're looking for conditionary things to suffice where we are in life. But he says, if you'll enter my gates, you'll get all of those things. We just want, watch, watch, watch. When we're sad, we want joy. When we're in pain, we want healing. When we're this, we want that. And God says, but my glory is sufficient. The glory of God is this, the manifestation of all the attributes of God at one time. When he says, enter my gates, what he's saying is, is don't come into just church. He said, come into the glory of the Lord. Come into all of the attributes manifesting at one time. In other words, you don't have to ask for joy, you get joy. You don't have to ask for peace, you get peace. You don't have to ask for healing, you get healing. What if we could just condition ourselves to stop complaining about where we stand, get up, go to God, get behind his gates, and understand that in him is the fullness of everything he has for us. Maybe the reason we haven't gotten there yet is because we haven't finally figured out that God is enough. He said, enter his gates, that means there is safety on the other side. There's provision on the other side. There's protection on the other side. But God never intended you to stay on the outside of his temple. Let me prove it to you. Why would a God who could literally change the foundation or the covering of the earth in one snap say, I love them too much, so let me send Jesus? Jesus. Why did he send Jesus? So so I could go to heaven. Mm -mm. He didn't send Jesus so you could get to heaven. He sent Jesus because he loves you enough and wants relationship with you, even where you're at right now. He says, enter my gates every Sunday. That's the declaration. Enter in. Whether it's into worship or come to the altar and receive Christ or whatever it might be, it's about you moving from where you were to where he's calling you. Here's the problem I see all the time is that we're not moving anymore. We're just sitting still and going, God, where are you at? God, where are you at? And God's going, get up. Get up. Run the race. Run it with endurance. I'll give you the strength, but get up and go. He says, enter into his gates. Can we just start there? Can we just get up from our stuff? How many of y'all woke up this morning with body aches? Don't lie in church. God knows. Woke up with a little bit of body aches this morning. What did you say about your body aches this morning? I was sitting in my office this morning and, and Chastity comes walking down the hall and I go. Ugh. I said, the soundtrack for this morning. It's like, it, just, it just sometimes you have those moments. But, but think about this. What gate are you entering every morning? He says to enter his gates. Why is it that we keep entering our own gates and then asking God to show up where we are? (laughs) God, I'm going to go through my gates of complaining. I'm going to go through my gates of pain. I'm going to go through my gates of worry. I'm going to go through my gates of doubt and confusion. I'm going to go through my my gates of a broken marriage. I'm going to go through my gates of of children that are wayward from the cross. I'm going to go through my gates of struggle and this and that, rather than enter his gates. Where none of that stuff exists. Something God told me a long time ago was that the position I'm in was my choice, not his. The struggles I go through were my choice, not his. He had a plan and I decided to walk away from it. And here's the great thing about God. God will let you walk through your plans. But he never quits on you. He always stands there. He doesn't close the gate off, wall it off, and say you have no access. He says, "Come, come, come, come to the gate. Come to the gate. I just need you to come to the gate." But God, I'm not perfect. I don't need you perfect. Come to the gate. But God, I don't have it all together. That's the perfect kind of person is a person who doesn't have it all together. But here's what we do: we think we have to get dressed up to go see God. Well, let me put on my good clothes. Let me do my hair. Let me present myself like I'm holy. God goes, but I saw your funkiness at home last night. I saw your unbathed, foul-breathed stuff. Your pajama wearing, whining and complaining, come here. But God, I don't want, come here. It's like this, watch this. Last night, my daughter, my youngest daughter, not my oldest daughter, she was like, Dad, don't do it. My youngest daughter, she, she gave me a little tood last night. I asked her, to do something. She goes, no. My eyeballs swelled. About this big? And I said it again. She goes, no. <laughs> run. Run. I politely looked at her and said, just go to your room. You should have thought about that before you told me no. Go to your room. So she goes into a room and she comes around the corner. I said, What are you doing? I said, Come here. This is what she did. Y'all be like, Man, what do you do, to that little girl? Nothing. She knew where she was. And she knew where she was going. And she was creating a scenario in her head about what was about to take place. I don't know how close I want to get. So when she got up to me, she was about four feet away from me. I said, no, no, come here. Uh Uh-uh. Yeah, come here. Uh Uh-uh. Watch this. I stuck my arms out. Watch this. So many times we go before God with our heads hung down because we think he's ready to beat us. When really, if we got close enough, we'd find out that his arms were outstretched with open arms ready to receive us. He says, enter my gates. Do you understand what that means? He said, watch this, enter the folding of my arms. A place where I can hold you. A place where I can tell you amazing things. Even at your worst, I can still hide you with me. He said, enter his gates. But look what it says here. It says, enter his gates with what? Thanksgiving, watch this. Thanksgiving is the action of being thankful. The action of being thankful. Notice that he does not say enter his courts with gratefulness. He says enter his courts with giving thanks or thanksgiving. Before we can go any further, I need to help you understand the difference between gratefulness and thankfulness. Because we have intertwined the two over time and we have placed the both into the same box when they are completely different words and attributes. Watch this. Grateful is directed out from the person who is feeling grateful. So in other words, I'm grateful to Pastor Ben and Pastor Katie for serving for the last four years. I'm grateful to God for his saving and redeeming power. I'm grateful for my wife. I'm grateful for my kids. I'm grateful for things, things that have happened that have brought blessings into my life. But that is not what he said come with. He said come with thanksgiving. Thankful is generated inside of a person. Gratefulness is the outside. Thankfulness is the inside. I watched somebody say it this way. Thankfulness is the relief factor on the inside of a person. So what he says and I read it this way I said he says enter his courts relieved. Enter his gates relieved. I'm finally home. Enter his gates relieved. Have you been relieved by God? Has the cross relieved you yet? Yes <laughs> you know, some of you all like I don't know. It's okay. Watch. Has the cross relieved you yet? Watch. Because if the cross has relieved you, then why do you keep carrying the pain you carry? Uh, he said, pick up my cross. He didn't say, pick up my pain. He said, carry him, not carry me. Ah, I, gotta, I, 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 I don't have pain anymore. I don't have the struggle anymore. Yes, struggle likes to show up, but I choose the Savior over my struggles. Thankfulness is you reminding yourself or remembering God. What he's, what's, what's happening on the inside of me See, when you enter his courts or enter his gates with thanksgiving, when you walk up to his gates with thanksgiving, you are walking into a space going, man, wow, this is awesome. I feel at peace now. I feel the joy of the Lord becoming my strength. I feel like the Mary, that word that says the merry heart does good like a medicine. I feel it. I feel it on the inside. Ah, Things are shifting. I'm not who I used to be. I'm not the broken down trodden person. I'm walking into his gates with with thanksgiving. What if I told you that thankfulness is the key that unlocks the gates? How many of you God's done something for you in this room? Some of y'all are not raising your hand. I'm going to try it again. How many of y'all God's done something for you in this room? And if you're not sure if God's done anything for you, take a deep breath and you'll find out. Yeah, but, Pastor, you weren't in the car. You weren't in my house this morning when all hell broke loose, and it just didn't seem like everything was going to work, and I went through all kinds of stuff just to get here. But you're here. Amen. So how many of y'all, God's done something good? How many of, watch this, here it comes. It's going to get a little better. How many of you, God's doing something good right now? Can you see it? Some of you can't, yet he's still doing something good. But what we do is we go, until I see it, it's not good. Until I see it, until he performs, I don't see the goodness of it. I I don't see the goodness of it. And that's because you're not living in a thankful space. You're living in a grateful space because you'd rather God perform for you than live in the fact that he's enough. See entering his gates with thanksgiving says that this space is enough to suffice to heal to protect to deliver to set free enter his gates with thanksgiving that doesn't mean I, that means I don't complain anymore that means I don't worry anymore. That doesn't mean that means I'm not afraid anymore. That means I'm not frustrated. I, I don't, I'm not stuck in the old me. I'm I'm stuck in his plans, in his purpose. That's the thankful heart. Please stop pursuing God, pursuing Christ or going into the presence of God, walking in with just a grateful heart. Man, enter his gates with thanksgiving. God, you have done so much for me, and I am so grateful for what you've done. People ask me, Pastor, why do you always tell your stories? That's my thankful moment. Because I'm not who I used to be. How many of you in this room are not who you used to be? Aren't you grateful you're not who you used to be? But aren't you thankful that you've been changed from the inside out? Ah, man, I was an angry, pent-up, aggravated, could be violent at moments, four-time jailbird, jacked up from the neck up, homeless at one point. Man, come on. But yet God still had a desire. But let me tell you something. None of it shifts on the inside of me until I come to him with thanksgiving. But how do we approach the gates? Watch. We get to the gates of the kingdom of God and we go. Hey, God. I was wondering if you could do this for me. God, I'm standing outside your gates. Hey, can you do this for me? Why isn't he answering? God, don't make me kick the gate in. You said you'd do it. God, I'm about tired of you holding me out, waiting on me. I don't have patience. You know, God, if you really loved me, you know, God, it's not me, it's my wife. You know, if you'd fix these four children, I'd be better. This is how we approach God every day of our lives, with a to-do list. Let me say this to you very strongly. Don't let your to-do list outweigh your ability to be thankful for what he's already done. Put your to-do list away and live in the fact that he is more than enough. Stop treating God as your one-trick pony to provide for you the desires of your flesh and understand that he has already completed everything he needed to do for you. I've said this to people over the years. What if God never did another thing for you? Never never gave you one more thing people go i'm done then i mean if he's not gonna give me i'm finished i'm out i don't have to put up with that this is a reciprocated relationship tell me what you can do in this lifetime that will reciprocate what god did for you please tell me because i'm waiting to see it anybody climbing up on a cross today i don't think so any of you in this room done what jesus did for you have you even come close yet we go god do more God's going, seriously? Like what? Oh, you want me to touch your flesh, not your heart. I came to redeem your heart, not your flesh. Your flesh is going to die. It's mortal. I, I came to redeem your heart. Like, Why are you so caught up in your flesh? Come on, work with us. We all have our toys, our gadgets, our things we want. Can I get them in for somebody? Y'all like to go shopping. You like to buy nice things. You got to like have stuff. You like, it feels good. It feels good. You feel better about yourself when you get some of that stuff. Just when you get a good hairdo, like you're good. You're feeling great. But why is it that we're not satisfied any longer? Because we don't live thankful. We live in a space of need consistently. Our entering into the gates with God is more of a bringing a to do list, a a, a complaint list, rather than, man, God, you're just, you're good. And I'm good because of that. You're enough. He says, enter his courts. Or enter his gates with thanksgiving. I wrote it this way Thankfulness, oh, gratefulness is what he's done. Thankfulness is what you've received. Grateful is the price is for the price Jesus paid at Calvary. Thankful is for what his death, burial, and resurrection did for you. Thanksgiving is not only for what you have received, but believing that it is enough. He said, Enter his gates with thanksgiving it is the key that opens the gate but stop looking through the gate wishing you could get into the other side some of us have been conditioned to be complainers you know you just don't get an amen when i say that right i'm not saying Pastor, i'm not conditioned to be a complainer think about what you do Side so said how many of y'all woke up this morning had a little bit of aches and pains in your body what'd you say to your pain Mm-mm-mm. don't go there pastor don't do it Oh, God, I'm dying. Oh, God, my body's killing me. What are you talking about? Death has rolled over my house. No, it hasn't. The plague is coming. We're all going to shut up. Like we see some really stupid stuff sometimes, and then we go, but God, where have you gone? It's like I'm not even in that conversation. I can't even get in that door. You shut me out with that foolishness. Come on, work with me. All oh, my back's kill me. All oh, my knees killing me. All oh, my toes killing me. Whatever it is. Oh, my spouse is killing me. I, well, I hope not. But what do we do? We, we do that, and then we go to church, and we go, God, I worship you, liar. See, you got quiet again. You all don't want to laugh at that one. No, I don't want to laugh at that one. No, I'm calling you a liar if you're doing it. Because the same mouth that complains cannot be the same mouth that praises. Because it is a contradiction in terms. It is a contradiction of language. It is a contradiction of mind. And the Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all their ways. You cannot, on your way to church, profess all your problems and then walk into church and try to profess your healer and your deliverer and your king and go, well, God, I'm going to go back home and go back to my problems. No, if you come in on a Sunday morning having professed your problems and you stand in this room and professing that he is the Lord of your life, the king of all kings, the, the bright morning star, the lily of the valley, the rose of Sharon, and you say, God, I'm, I'm going to give you my best praise. Don't you dare walk back out that door and say anything contrary because now God goes, hold up you can't live a double life you can't live unstable you've got to stay in it see that's the difference between visiting the gates and going behind the gates getting in the gates or staying outside and going well I saw them, they look cute, that's cute, that's good It's like going to Disney World and standing outside Disney World and saying you went to Disney World. No, you didn't. You visited Disney World. It looked good for everybody else going in, but you didn't make it in. And the reason you didn't make it in is because you weren't willing to pay the price to get in. The price paid to enter the gates is your mouth becoming thankful for what he's done. Thankful. For the relief that's on the inside of you. Thankful for the peace of your mind. Pastor, I don't have peace of mind. Well, then go be thankful. Outweigh your complaints with thankfulness. Complaining is nothing more than telling God he's not enough for you to succeed. I'll give that to you one more time. Complaining is nothing more than telling God he's not good enough for you to succeed. Thankful is not a thought. It is an action. It is the action to unlocking greater things. It is the precursor to the entering in. God, I want more of you. How, much you want? How many of y'all want more of God? Want more God in your life? Are you thankful of what you have right now? Okay, watch this. I'm going to take it real carnal for a second before we move on. How many of y'all want a new car? Come on, be honest. You're like, no, you're talking about God. You said car. I'm not raising my hand right now because now you went to something fleshy, and I'm not saying it. How many of y'all want a new car? I'd like a new car. Pastor, I'd like a new car. Okay, watch this. You will never get that new car until... You're thankful for what he's given you. Every blessing in my life only came when my heart changed its approach to what had been given to me already. You want that new car? You better take care of the beat up one you got now. God's not going to bless you with that nice new ride. You can't take care of the jalopies you got parked in the parking lot right now. God's going, can you please walk it through the car wash at least once? Can you vacuum the doggone thing out? You got food stuff in there that's caked on, and you want a new car, you're going to kill that car too. Can you please get the first one right? I'd go really deep here, but I'm not going to do it. It's like people praying for a new spouse. How about you treat the first one right? I told you, I, I, man, the Lord help me. I felt that one when it came out. I was like, oh, God, I'm getting cursed off church on Sunday says enter his gates with thanksgiving listen the greatest thing I can do in my marriage is be thankful for my wife no I mean that can I be honest with you there are times I don't feel that way trust me there are times she don't feel the same way about me say shame on me now all right then there are times we love each other a lot and there's times we like each other a lot Truth be told is that I have to make sure that every day I'm thankful for my wife. Watch this. That is not what she can do for me, it's the completion she brings to me. Does that make sense? So many times we condition our marriages, our relationships with people based on what they do rather than who they are and what they bring to your life. What they bring that solidifies that space, fills that void. God brings people into your life for a purpose. To bring healing, to bring peace, to bring joy. Celebrate what they've done. Stop putting your hand out going, do more, do more, do more. You'll break the relationship. And if we will do that with man, what do you think we're doing to God who formed the cosmos? Spoke life into everything. God, do more. God, my hand's out. Do more. God, excuse me. Right here. God's going, yeah. Yeah. I don't answer to those hands. I answer to these. This means you're enough. This means I need more. This means you're enough. This means I need more. Get yourself out of the position like this. Give me more. Give me more. Give me more. God says, I don't move like that. I only move when I become enough. He says, enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. In other words, thanksgiving and praise is a mandatory access into the throne room of God. Thanksgiving grants you access. Praise lays a hold of the promises and declares God to be in control. Praise lays hold of the promise. Praise lays hold of the promise. Watch, I'm going to say it again. Praise lays hold of the promise and declares God to be in control. Let me prove it. Try to praise and talk about your problems simultaneously. Go ahead. Try it. Try it. Next time you're in worship and you've got your hands lifted and you're at a praise moment, I want you to complain. I guarantee it's going to be a struggle. How do you go into a place of praise and then go, God, my world is so horrible. God, my marriage is broken. God, my children are demonic. Whatever it might be. My, my, my boss needs a savior. God, I can't deal with it anymore. I'm broke. I'm busted. I'm disgusted. You can't do it. Because when you lift yourself into a place of praise, the only thing that wants to come at is how good God is. Even in the midst of what you think is a bad day. How many of y'all ever had a bad day? If everybody in this room is not raising their hands, they are lying in church. Father, touch the liars. Amen. Heal them. Deliver them. Set them free. Amen. Ever had a bad day? I don't want to admit it because it means I don't have faith. Okay, watch this. I've had a lot of bad days. Amen. Okay. What did you do in your bad day? I'm fed up. I'm angry. Your face didn't even look like God was the strength of your life. I don't understand. I just don't get it anymore. I, I go to church. I go to church every Sunday, and I I sing the songs, and I listen to pastors. I even take notes, God. But did you apply it? I go home, and, and I go into my prayer closet, and I seek the Lord. No, you complain to God about what you don't have. I pray over my kids every day. Yeah, you pray that they'll take less pain off of you rather than God deliver them from whatever they're going through. God, I God, I I I serve in the church. And that's the only time you come to church. I'm trying. I really am. I'm getting a couple of amens over here. Some I'm not getting from the other side. I we'll am just keep praying. I look at the ground so you don't think I'm talking about you because I'm not. I just I'm making statements. I'm just letting it fly off the cuff and let's see where it lies. If it hits you in the chest and you go backwards like that, take it in. Amen. come to worship and pastor says, lift our hands. I'm not lifting my hands. I don't lift my hands in church. <laughs> then everybody in the Bible that did it was a liar and a crazy person. But I want what they got. Then you better do what he asks. Amen. Yeah, I'm trying. Like we, we just enter his gates with thanksgiving into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. You got to praise him. Stop talking about your junk all the time. Don't look. I want to start doing this when people call me sometimes and they want to complain. Like, before you open your mouth, give me three good things God is. Right now, three good things. Three things God's doing great in your life. I don't know. Well, go off the phone, find out, and when you get it, call me back. You know what's funny? When I do that to people sometimes, they never call me back. Because the more they seek God, the less they realize that they have a problem. Wait a minute, that's all I had to do was to be faithful? Yeah, Just had to go to his gates with Thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. And I watched the problem will dissolve itself, sucker. Because you're not breathing life into it anymore. Oh, here we go. This isn't even a notes. Your complaining is resuscitating your problems. Everything that comes out of your mouth is either killing the struggle or it's bringing life to the struggle. If I start declaring the kingdom of God and God in my life, where's the problem go? Watch this. How many of y'all enjoyed worship this morning? If you didn't, just be quiet. Amen. But you enjoyed worship this morning. Why'd you enjoy worship this morning? It was good, Pastor. It was good music, it was good instrumentation. Pastor Ben was playing the keys so good. Huh? For that 30 minutes, you didn't have one problem. Not one. And if you did, you were focused on you more than you were him. Praise moves you out of your struggle. Complaining roots you in your struggles. When you finally decide to go into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise, do you understand that we haven't even tapped the Holy of Holies yet? We're just in the outer courts, Jack. That thanksgiving is what gives you access to the court. Praise causes you to walk through the court. On the other side of the court comes the presence and the power and the manifestation of God himself. And you go, Pastor, I want to I have an encounter with God. Where's your thanksgiving and where's your praise? Because you're never going to get it without the two. God, I just want to feel His presence. I want to feel His power. I want to see it. I want to, I want to know it. Then learn how to be thankful and learn how to praise and learn how to be thankful and learn how to praise and learn how to be thankful and learn how to praise. Last yesterday, my wife wanted crawfish. So my wife was at the house and the kids were all running around. Any parents want to say amen? Woo! So I called my wife. I said, baby, I'm going to take the top off the Jeep. We're going to go drive around town. Amen. We took the top off, and we decided we were going to go to the blind tiger and get some crawfish. We were like, yes, Lord, we're going to go to the blind tiger and get some crawfish. We waited 20 minutes for that stupid table. And then we'd sit down, and we order the crawfish and boudin balls. Amen. I was going, we, were going, we were going to have us a time. And, yes, we did not take our children. We left them at home. Amen. Bye-bye. You leaving us? You bring it? No, we're not bringing any food. No, we're eating. We're eating. We are eating. We're spending all the money. Hey, come it. My son called. Where are y'all at? <laughs> Translation: Are you bringing me food? Nope. Okay. So mean, Pastor. Nope, not mean at all. Okay. So we go inside. We order the food. We're sitting down. Finally get our seat after 20 minutes, sitting at the table, we're talking, we're cutting up, we're you know, doing whatever. And 35 minutes later, the waitress walks up and she goes, Um, I'm so sorry. <laughs> she said, they just told us they ran out of crawfish. <laughs> Run. <laughs> Run! So, Tim and I just look at her and start laughing. We're like, What are you going to do? What are you going to do? And we're walking out, and this is what she said. And I don't think she caught what she said out. She said that she said, It's all right. At least we got some time together. It was a thankfulness of time that we actually were having together, regardless whether the crawfish ever showed up on the table or not. But most of us would have left angry because we didn't get the dang crawfish. I can get my crawfish. I'm, I'm calling the boss. I'm calling the owner. I'm going to tell. I'm going to be a Karen. I am shutting that place down. They didn't. Give me my crawfish. Man, shut up. If crawfish is the Lord of your life, you've got a lot of problems ahead of you. I'm telling everybody never to go to the blind tiger. Just calm down. Maybe, just maybe, that the crawfish didn't show up because God really wanted her and I to spend more time together. And that was really all it was. Because so this is what we did. We went home. We called a couple places. We found out Kenny's had some crawfish. I drove over to Kenny's and bought 15 pounds of crawfish. 14. My bad. Thank you for correcting me in the middle of my sermon, my daughter. I appreciate that. We'll talk when you get home. Amen. Hope you like walking. Amen. 14. I love you. You know that. 14 pounds of crawfish. We had 14 pounds of crawfish, and we ate like we lost our minds. We had red potatoes, we had crawfish, and we even got some hush puppies, amen. See, y'all getting hungry now. I do that to y'all on purpose, because y'all start doing this. This brother needs to hurry up. This brother's hungry, right? Okay. Here's the truth of it. We had more fun sitting at the dining room table, enjoying each other's company, than we did wondering about some stupid crawfish from the blind tiger. And I sat back, and I we laughed. We cut up. My, my son thought the crawfish was still alive at one point. Dad, it moved. It moved, Dad. Son, I promise you that crawfish did not budge. It moved on my plate, Dad. And I'm not talking about my littlest one. I'm talking about my oldest one, amen. My third one was like, Dad, it's no, no. And then, of course, the little one's were like, ah! I'm like, oh, Lord, help us. But we had a moment and we decided to leave it thankfully because of what happened between us and in us during that time. And it created a greater space that, would have, that was going to happen with the family later. We just didn't even see it. Because trust me, had we gone and eaten crawfish, I wasn't eating crawfish again last night. We'd have been eating something else. But that removal brought us into a space to spend time together as a family. We all sat at the table, even with Hope's friend, and caught up and laughed and, and joked and all that great stuff. Yeah. Praise is what takes you to the presence of God. Thanksgiving is what gets you on the other side of the gate. Let me give you the script, these two scriptures real quick. Psalm chapter 103, verse 1 through 5, it says this, Let all that I am praise the Lord. With my whole heart I will praise His holy name. With my what? With my what? Mm, so you better make sure there's no complaint in there because it won't be whole. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. He forgives all of my sins, heals all my diseases, redeems me from death, and crowns me with the love and tender, his love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagles. Did you know that he not one time said he gives me new cars, new houses, new spouses, new children? He says he does things for me. What if the unlocking space in your life to see the blessings of God it starts in you being thankful for just for what he's done in you? Just in you. Just in you. And then it creates a space of praise. And now all of a sudden you're letting it rip on the inside of you. Psalm 150 says this. Praise the Lord. Praise God where? In his sanctuary. So when I say praise the Lord and y'all go like this, on. I'm only quoting scripture. Praise God. Where? Where? So, if we're sitting, or you're not defying pastors' orders, you're defying the Word of God. You are ignoring His declaration. He says, Praise the Lord, praise God in His sanctuary, praise Him. In his mighty heaven, praise him for his mighty works. Praise his unequalled greatness. Praise him with a blast of the ram's horn. Praise him with the lyre and harp. Praise him with the tambourine and dancing. Hello, some of y'all used to dance bars closed. Now I can't even get you to move out of your seat. Praise him with the strings and flutes. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with the loud clanging cymbals. Let everything—you got to see, you got to read that one loud. Let everything that has breath sing praises to the Lord. Let everything. What if I told you your pain can even praise? Let everything that has breath sing praises to the Lord. Let me close with these. It goes on in verse 5. It says, for the Lord is good. That's an old church statement. God's good all the time. All the time? But do we actually believe it outside of Sunday? What would happen if you carried the same anointing, the same energy, the same strength into your Monday? What if it stayed with you all the way to Thursday and Friday? And what if you didn't need a cheerleader to help you keep it? Somebody asked me years ago, said Pastor, what, what is your what is your goal in ministry? Here you go, ready? Here it goes. It's gonna throw you way off. To put myself out of a job. Amen. It's the craziest statement I've ever said. The pastor asked me that years ago. He said, Brian, what's what's your goal in ministry? Put myself out of a job. Why do you want to put yourself out of a job? I said, because if I'm out of a job, it means he's coming back. That means every ear has heard the gospel. I'm put myself out of a job. I'd rather be jobless. I'd rather be jobless. I'd rather not have to do this. I'd rather us all just to finally get it. I'd rather us finally believe that he's good and praise him. I wish we'd go to his gates more than we go to people. (laughs) Get off of Facebook and get in his gates. Get off your cell phones and get in his gates. Get off your opinions and get in his gates get off of everybody else's opinions in your life and get in his gates. Stop asking people what they think. Ask God what he wants. He says, enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good. When I read that the other night, this is what hit me. When I lack in thanksgiving and praise... I have determined that he is not good enough for me. He doesn't say do it because he's good. It says do it for he is good. In other words, he's already good. It's not because of what he will do. It's because of what he's already done. So my praise and thanksgiving does not come out of a benefit of what he might do in a latter day. My thanksgiving and praise comes out of the space of me finally understanding that he is enough and I don't need anything else but him. Nothing else, God, I don't need anything else from you. And it goes on and says his unfailing love continues forever. In other words, he never fails. He never fails. So when you get that moment and you're struggling and you go, "God, where are you at? God, I don't understand why I'm going through all this." He doesn't fail you. Stop it. He hasn't quit on you. Don't quit on him. God, I might not understand, but I know you got me through this. God, I might not understand what the process is, but God, you promised me through every trial and tribulation, you always make a way of escape, so I'm trusting you. Then he goes on in that same verse, and it says, and his faithfulness, and this is the one that kicks me really hard. And his faithfulness continues to each generation. And his faithfulness continues to each generation. What if I told you, hmm, here it comes, that where your kids end up depend on what you do now. Pastor, yeah, I'm telling you right now. What you do today determines where they end up. What does he say? He says, and his faithfulness continues to each generation. Read your Bible. If I really want to mess with you, Look at the Jewish culture. It'll mess with you. Last night I was sitting in the house, last story, and I'm going to close, I promise. My son was in the room, and my daughter was having a hard time because she told me, she said, sometimes you're too tough. Not her, not hope, love. She feels like I was too tough. Remember that whole creeping in, like, I don't want to come close? And I said, what's wrong? And she's like, I just, dad, sometimes I feel like you're upset. Like, you're tough. And I said, Judah, come here for a second, son. I said, Judah, am I tough on you? Let me, let me tell you what love actually said to me, because maybe i may just be real truthful with it. I said, love, do you feel like I don't love you sometimes? And out of her six-year-old wisdom, she said, yep. My six-year-old told me that sometimes she thinks I don't love her. I said, why would you think that? I said, because I'm tough on you, like I'm tight with you Sometimes. And, of course, I don't know if she really understands, but she said, yes, Daddy. I said, okay, hold on. Let me me bring clarification to this. So I brought Jude in, and I said, Jude, I said, am I tough on you? He goes, oh, yeah. I said, but all, all of my toughness, do you ever wonder if I truly love you? He goes, oh, no. Dad, I know you love me. I said, why am I tough on you? He goes, because I do stuff you don't want me to do. I said, all right, I'm trying to get the right answer. We're having a problem here. Let's work on this for a second. I said, why am I tough on you? And he finally goes, because you want me to succeed. And I said, Do you understand? I said, Love, do you understand my responsibility with Judah? I said, Judah's the firstborn. He's not just big brother, he's the firstborn. There is a thing biblically of a responsibility he has in this house. When I was going through my heart stuff, he was the first one I had the conversation with about what happens if dad leaves. One of the hardest conversations I've ever had to have in my entire life with an 11 year old boy. But I instilled in him, You got this. I'm tough, but I want you to succeed. God's tough, but He wants you to succeed. He's not just going to be like, hey, it's all good. No, sometimes He's going to bring corrections. somebody's He's going to change things. But I need you to understand, He is faithful unto all generations. If you will enter His gates with thanksgiving, into His courts with praise, and praise and thank Him for what He's done, who He is, and what He's still yet to do in your life. If you would live in this space all the time and stop talking about all the struggles around you, if you would stay in this place, you would finally understand that the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever. And its faithfulness is going to touch your kids, kids, kids. Watch this, watch this, watch this. If your kids are in the middle of a problem, turn on thankfulness and praise and watch what happens in their lives. Watch. Thankfulness and praise and watch what God does in their lives. Be a part of the solution. Stop being a part of the struggle. I'm going to see the hand of God in my children. Do you know how I'm going to do it? You've heard me say it. I never saw myself as a dad. I never saw myself as a husband. I never saw myself pastoring. I never saw myself doing any of this. I saw myself facing 15 years in jail. I saw myself being homeless. I saw all that. But I didn't see the promise. Until I started worshiping in a truck by myself. While I was sleeping in my truck. No one ever knew I was homeless. I didn't tell those stories until I became a pastor. Never told us. My own mama didn't know I was homeless. And I'd sit in that car at night and I'd just say, God, I don't understand, but I know you're capable and able. Whatever it is you're trying to teach me in this moment, I trust you. So, God, I'm just going to lean over here onto the side and just close my eyes. And God, I just pray that you protect me. That you cover me. walk through jail and say, God, I don't understand. I don't know what I, why I put myself in this position, but I give you my life. I trust you. I'll praise you all the days of my life. And if I have to stay here, you're still good enough. You're still God. I got out of jail. Like I, Every time I've had a struggle, my praise and my thankfulness shot me right out of it. You want to get unstuck? thankfulness and praise and you'll see that the Lord is good his unfailing love continues forever and his faithfulness continues to each generation everybody stand to your feet can I teach you something real quick before we walk out I told you no more of this more of this how, how, watch this. How many of y'all sometimes struggle with this? It's, it's kind of hard sometimes. You're like, ah, I don't know how I feel about that. Okay, watch. I mean, let me give you the best way it was taught to me. Kirk is a police officer. When they say lift your hands, it's not because they want to control you. It's a sign of surrendering. Now, granted, if I can see your hands, you're not doing anything stupid. What if I told you that's God's purpose too? If I can see your hands, I know what you're doing. We cannot walk into the presence of God like this. We have to walk into the presence of God like this. This is not, listen to me, this is not a non-denominational thing. This is not a spirit-filled thing. This is not, no, this is a biblical thing. Lift up your hands in worship. But 90, 90% of the time, we go to God and worship like this. In fact, I've seen people over the years go to God and worship like this. Why? He said, uplifted hands. Uplifted, not put out hands. Uplifted hands. Well, pastor, I'm afraid somebody's going to see me. So what? What? The King of kings, the Lord of glory sees you. That's all that matters in this moment. Lift up your hands and worship you. I just want to encourage you in this. This is not weird. This is freeing. Because if I'm like this, I can't hold on to anything else. So watch. Here we go. Practice Sunday. Game starts tomorrow. Every hand lifted in this place. Pastor, I feel weird. Just give it a minute, it'll go away. Say this: say, God, I surrender. Stop surrendering your kids, stop surrendering your finances, stop surrendering your job, stop surrendering everything else. Just surrender. God, I surrender all. Father, we're done carrying the problems of the world. Today, Father, we pick up our cross. And we carry you. The glory and the lifter of our heads. Father, right now, I pray that every stronghold be broken. Every pain be washed away. Every fear, every doubt, every worry be gone. Satan, you have no authority in this house and in the lives of your people, of, his, of God's people. Father, I declare generational issues to be broken right now. Hmm. For those that are in this room right now and are haunted by their past, Father, I pray that you would blot it out. Today is a new day. God, I surrender all. Father, I thank you for your anointing this morning. burden-removing, yoke-destroying power that flows in this house and in the lives of your people. Father, my prayer is that tomorrow morning when they get up, instead of talking about their pain or their bodies, instead of talking about it's a Monday, I pray from the bed to the shower, they just lift their hands and surrender. Enter your gates with thanksgiving. Press into your courts with praise so that they can step in to the presence of the Most High God. Father, I declare that if we will do this this week, we will encounter the presence of God all week long. Father, I'm praying. (laughs) I'm praying, God, that everybody in this room encounters the presence of God like its heaviness, its weight. Let it be like the dew in the morning, God. Let it just rest. Let it saturate. Let them feel the fullness of your presence with them wherever they go. God, I'm asking for a holy of holies anointing this week. We want to encounter you. So we're coming with thanksgiving and praise. Now, if you stand in this place, before we move on, as this has to happen every Sunday. If you're in this place, you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. Or maybe you've walked away from him. Maybe you've, maybe you've thought your ways were better than his. Your plans were better than his. And you realize that that's not the way it is. If you stand in this place say, Pastor, I need Jesus right now. I don't want to walk out without him. That's you just raise your hand and say, that's me. That's me. If you've got a hand lifted, I need Jesus right now. I don't want to walk out without Jesus today. I'm ready to give up. I'm ready. I'm done with being frustrated. I'm done with being aggravated. I'm done with my stuff. I'm ready to give my heart to God right now. Now i'm gonna say this to you right now some of you stuck your hand up and then started, all of a sudden the weight hits you and you got scared and you put it back down i'm gonna say this to you that's the enemy fighting you right now because he's petrified if you get free come on that's you i need jesus right now all right i need jesus right now both hands straight up straight up straight up as high as they go i need jesus right now come on you've done this long enough come on You've carried this weight long enough. You've struggled with this long enough. You've been hurt long enough. This is your day of freedom. This is your moment. This is your moment. It's the last day you're going to hurt. It's the last day you're going to be afraid. It's the last day you're going to be in pain. God has an amazing plan for your life. It's not up to man. It's up to him. Get alone with Him. and Let Him do His greatest work. So repeat after me all across this room. Father, I thank You for the blood-stained cross on Calvary. I thank You that You didn't quit on me, even when I quit on myself. Father, today I surrender. I give up. I can't do it anymore. I need you more now than ever. I don't want to live. I don't want to breathe. I don't want to move another second without you. Today, I give you the broken pieces of a life that I can't fix, but I know that you can. Today, I'm the clay. You're the potter. Fix me. I'm ready to come home. Jesus. Father, for every hand lifted in this moment. remind them of the day of the moment that you formed them. For your word says that you formed us before we ever were. You were intimate with us before we breathed our first breath. The calling of God doesn't happen here. It happened there. And this is the manifestation of that life. Father, let everything that we do, let our praise, our worship be everything that we breathe out of us. But remind them, God, that their salvation is not conditioned upon struggle. God, people have come against them. People have said things. Their hurt and their pain has caused them to walk away. But, Father, remind them that it's not about them. It's about you. A relationship with you, God. More than anything, a relationship with you. And for those hands that were lifted today, Father, I thank you that you're going to speak clearly to them all week long. Clearly. And, Father, I pray that anybody that has something to say about it would just be silenced. they would hear your voice so clearly thank you for those hands that were lifted today God. thank you for the celebration in heaven that is launched give you praise for it